Hello, everyone, and welcome to Third Eye with Lorelai. I'm your host, Lorelai, where we talk all things metaphysics. another episode of Third Eye with Lorelai. I am your very spooky host, Lorelai. And yes, I'm so excited. I've been waiting to do this podcast episode because it is my most favorite holiday, Halloween. And so I'm so excited to talk to you about some really cool, a really cool crystal that I've been dying to talk to you about. I bought this crystal not too long ago and I absolutely love it. And obviously talk to you about Samhain or Halloween or the Witch's New Year. Anyway, so let's just dive in because I got so much to tell you. So the crystal that I chose for you all this week is Blood Jasper or Dragon's Blood Jasper. Super beautiful stone. It's like a combination of red and green and it is kind of swirled around on the stone. It's absolutely beautiful. So for some reason, my Kindle is not working. So I'm having to look stuff up on different websites to find information for you about these crystals. So I got this from meanings.crystalsandjewelry.com forward slash blood jasper. And this is written by Diana Houston. And this is what she said, blood jasper properties. Blood jasper is a beautiful stone that exhibits a lovely red black color with white veins running throughout the stone. This is common for all jasper stones. Its name comes from the Greek word for spotted stone, which refers to its striped, flamed, spotted, and multicolored appearance. Ancient Greeks believed that the red spots on this stone are droplets of blood, hence the name blood jasper. This stone exhibits veins and flecks of red within an opaque background. Ancient folklore characterized this stone as excellent weapons for warriors or anyone who is experiencing conflicts and challenges. It was believed that this stone can stop blood from falling. History tells us that the warriors' wives would give blood jasper to their warrior husbands and ask them to carry it with them to stop the bleeding from any wounds sustained from slashing swords or flying arrows. It's not for nothing that this stone is also called dragon blood jasper. The courage and confidence of that mighty mythical being seems promised to those who unlock the energies of the fantastic crystal. Yet, as much as it embodies the warrior spirit, Blood Jasper also allows those who have taken a few too many knocks on life's long road the chance to relax and recuperate. Whether it's helping to ease physical injuries and ailments or overcoming a tired and weary mind, that's been through the ordeal too many or through one ordeal too many, there are countless reasons to welcome the stone into your life. So why would you use blood jasper? Blood jasper is a very healing stone that will promote courage, vitality, and strength. It will support you on a physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual level, especially when you're going through tough times in your life. This stone will keep you centered and grounded. No matter what challenges come your way, you will remain strong and standing. It's a stone that will bring joy in all your interactions with people, and it will help you earn the respect of anyone you work with. It will help you in setting new goals and in achieving them. 
blood jasper is capable of bringing in more energy into your aura as well as into your physical body. It will also ground your spiritual energy through your heart chakra. It will keep loneliness and depression at bay, and it will work hard in keeping your spirits up. It will also surround you with protective energies that will help you, that will, I'm sorry, (laughs) that will keep you away from the toxicity of negative people. Blood Jasper is a strengthener of the body, and it will address any unhealthy or negative conditions that brings your physical vitality down. The healing energies of Blood Jasper will also assist your body in spiritual purification. It will help you find your inner reset button so that your body will resonate once again with the pattern of good health. It will help you regain your physical stability and emotional well-being. Blood Jasper will work steadily rather than briskly like other Jasper stones. Blood Jasper is also known to help in breaking old habits and introducing new ones. It will allow you to be buffeted by the events in your life and it will let you experience fear or it will oh and it will let you experience fear and confusion. Hmm. I wonder if that's a typo. Maybe. I don't know. It will let you self-indulge or even fall into debilitating and unhealthy patterns so that you can receive a powerful and self-affirming guidance afterwards. Oh. Well, that doesn't sound very good, but I mean, I guess I I, I see what they're saying, but still it's like, here, you're going to fall on your face, but then you're going to realize why. (laughs) Anyway, Blood Jasper will inspire you to replace your self-serving tendencies with being of service to people and taking care of the well-being of the world. However, it will not simply make you weak that, or I'm sorry, it will not simply make you weak that you will just follow every rule there is. Oh, okay. Sorry. I was kind of like, what was she saying? Rather, it will inspire a certain kind of fierceness and loyalty. It will encourage you to stay true to what you perceive is good and to protect it and fight for it with all power that you can muster. Blood Jasper will show you how excellent an ally you can be and how you can be a worthy opponent as well. When you use a blood jasper stone, you also activate your chakras and enhance your spiritual growth. It will help you build the real person that you are and dissolve all false images of the way you see yourself. It's also a stone that will promote self-healing and raise the kundalini energy. So how will blood jasper help you? So blood jasper, healing, and health. Blood jasper is a good stone to diagnose or prevent illnesses. It can be beneficial for the liver, stomach, bladder, and kidneys. It can also improve the function of the bile ducts and the spleen. It can ease the nerves and enhance your sense of smell. It can also regulate mineral balance in the body. Its healing energies can protect the heart and provide healing. It can also be helpful in the treatment of bronchitis, jaundice, or multiple sclerosis. Blood Jasper can also ease backaches, cramps, and even treat the common cold and flu. It can aid your physical endurance and inspire you to stick to your diet and exercise regimens. It can support the body's healing process and stimulate the digestive process. It's also known to strengthen the immune system, nervous system, brain, and thyroid. As well as these Jasper healing properties though, this stone can also give you more energy overall, both for your day-to-day affairs, but also to prevent illness from taking hold in the first place. While a healthy diet and lots of exercise is even more crucial, there is still a tangible sense of feeling your immune system being boosted by the brave conviction and fighting spirit this stone possesses blood jasper and wealth blood jasper will help you recover and re-energize yourself when you're experiencing exhaustion brought by working too much it will uplift your moods and emotions and give you physical vitality and a strong sense of satisfaction in all aspects of your life i kind of feel like there's some people that are looking on amazon right now (laughs) 
<laughs> I can't tell you how many people I know that like work super, super hard and they're like, you mean this will give me more vitality? That sounds awesome. I feel like I'm constantly at work. So <laughs> just had that little image in my head as I was reading it. <laughs> anyway, sorry, I'll keep going. It will also stimulate your interaction with people and help you take part in things. It will also support you in achieving your own goals and stop you from being overly critical of yourself and of others. Blood Jasper will enhance your life force and motivate you to increase the prosperity and abundance in your life. This stone has the ability to draw money to whoever wears it. Well, shoot, I'm really glad I'm wearing it then. <laughs> The Blood Jasper Stone is seen as a serious good luck charm in the areas of finance for that reason. Of course, that's because it empowers hard work to go after what you want, rather than making, your, making you believe that everything you desire will just fall into your lap out of nowhere. Although it's, it'd be lovely to meet the crystal capable of that, if it exists. I think anybody would understand that, man. If there is some that exist, I would love to have one. <laughs> Anyway, Blood Jasper, love and relationships. Blood Jasper calls forth the gentle strength of compassion, forgiveness, and love. When it comes to emotions, Blood Jasper will help you develop the confidence to go after what you want and make it yours. It will strengthen your willpower and encourage an open expression of your emotions. It will also develop a willingness to help someone you love with the genuine desire to see them happy and successful. The stone will infuse you with the persistence to make a real, honest, positive, and effective change. Blood Jasper will connect straight to your heart chakra and allow you to better understand your own emotions. It will encourage you to listen to what your heart has to say and give you the strength to do what is necessary. It will make you more courageous in addressing any repressed or deeply buried emotional issues and find a peaceful resolution to them once and for all. Blood Jasper will help you face your insecurities and difficulties head on. How to use Blood Jasper for the best results. Blood Jasper is a powerful talisman that can be used when you want to transform a part of your life to a more beneficial state. It's a good stone to have when you need to discover a new path or method to achieve something that you want so much. This stone has the power to support you in finding new relationships that will change your life for the better. Blood Jasper is a powerful talisman that will keep you safe and secure. It will protect and strengthen your efforts to achieve financial security in your old age. Blood Jasper is best placed in the east and southeast areas of your home or room. This will bring positive energies and enhance your family relationships, your health, as well as your prosperity. This stone can also be an excellent aid for mothers who are having struggles understanding or getting along with their children. You can also attract abundance and prosperity by keeping blood jasper stones inside a jar with some coins. Place it somewhere in your home or office where the sun can shine on it. The best combination to use with blood jasper. If you have, if you have problems managing your anger, blood jasper can help you control your anger and your emotional outbursts. You can combine it with stones that can be excellent for anger management, such as kunzite, kyanite, king cobra jasper, lithium quartz, or angelite. It will also go well with aragonite, thunder egg, blue phantom quartz, aquamarine, citrine, jet, or magnetite. Other stones and crystals like bronzite, culminite, gold, howlite, lapidolite, peridot, rhodonite, smoky quartz, sodalite, sugilite, and turquoise will also complement this stone. When you suffer from anxiety attacks, blood jasper will help ease your anxieties, especially if you pair it with chrysocolla, astrophyllite, tourmalated quartz, strontianite, or savorite. 
You can also combine it with Wonderstone. Ooh, I am totally gonna look that one up. That sounds interesting. That kind of piqued my interest. So maybe that will be next week's. We shall see. Celestite dinosaur bone. Fluorite. I'd like to know how much a dinosaur bone would cost one. <laughs> I imagine there's some people out there going, it's not that bad, but I mean, that would be pretty legit carrying around a dinosaur bone. Anyway, fluorite, cam, camba, cambaba, yeah, cambaba jasper, lipidolite, sericite, hematite, pink mangano calcite, Picasso stone, covalite, or veris, veris, verisite. <laughs> Sorry, I get tripped up on some of the words. I'm doing my best, guys. Meditation with blood jasper. When people meditate with blood jasper, they feel a renewal of their energies, especially those of courage and strength. Blood jasper is a stone that should be kept with you if you seek physical, emotional, spiritual, or mental support and need it to tackle the tough times and challenges that come your way. The energies of blood jasper keep you grounded and ensure that the focus of your energies is centered around the things that matter in life. Regardless of how difficult a challenge may seem, you need to be confident enough to believe that you will emerge on top of it. That conviction can indeed come from spending time meditating with and working alongside the superb dragon's bloodstone. Should you ever find yourself racked with doubts or worries, take some time to really examine the interplay of colors in your blood jasper and the incredible natural forces that come together to make it happen. Each of these stones are unique as far as those patterns go, and it, will may, it, ugh, and it may well remind you of your own unique gifts and how to cultivate them. This confidence and belief in yourself will relieve half of your troubles, while the other half will depend on you on how you use your past experiences and wisdom to ensure the best outcome of a solution. Oh, yeah, and the outcome of a solution. Blood Jasper is also known to bring joy to your life, especially if your relationship when you especially in your relationship when you combine it with March, the March birthstone, which is aquamarine, cuz that's when my birthday is. The powers of the stone are such that they will garner the respect and ad adoration of your colleagues, friends, and families towards you and help you in easily communicating and working with them. In the professional arena, Blood Jasper will enable you to set new milestones for yourself and achieve them because you will be aware of how even the smallest of efforts manifest on a larger scale to bring you one step closer to the finish line. Blood Jasper is also known to work with your heart chakra because it keeps bad and hurtful emotions like hatred, depression, and loneliness at bay and ensure that your heart belongs in whatever you do. The energies of Blood Jasper will keep, you spirits, keep your spirits uplifted for times when you feel low. Moreover, they will also strengthen your core and develop your character so that you can be, be the person you want to be before achieving the things you want to achieve. All change starts from within. So, if you want to improve the quality of your life, you will first have to improve your personal self. When you become your own strong person, you will feel comfortable in your own skin and be more open in your interactions with other people. The energies of Blood Jasper will target any negativity that brings you down and will boost your physical, emotional, and mental vitality so that you can bring your A-game to all that you do in life. Blood Jasper also holds certain healing powers that guide you to find your reset button. Everyone has an inner switch that can be turned off when they want a second chance at life. It is just a matter of finding that switch and flipping it at the right time. With Blood Jasper, you will have the courage and determination to start over and restore the energies of well-being of well that you had once lost. 
Finally, with these new beginnings, we also come to the end of all your bad habits, which is something that Blood Jasper will play a large part in achieving for you. So this is the author's final thoughts on the power of Blood Jasper. Blood Jasper is an old and honored stone that's also known as the Stone of Courage. It will help you find creative ways to keep your life inspired, motivated, and balanced. It will bring a deeper kind of joy that will propel you to achieve your goals. It will also ground you with uplifting spiritual energies through your heart chakra. It will bring strong patterns of physical vitality and more energy into your physical body and personal auric field. Every time you look at your beautiful blood jasper stone, you will be reminded of the rich history surrounding it. This is why blood jasper makes a lovely companion stone and personal gift for the modern day working warrior or for the battle weary people in your life. Okay, so that is blood jasper or dragon's blood jasper. And it's usually pretty common, so you can find it at pretty much any local crystal shop or on Etsy or on Amazon. They're usually pretty ready available. So, and I think it's out of Madagascar, I wanna say. Gosh, I wish my Kindle was working so I could look it up. (laughs) Oh well, it'll figure it out. Anyway, so let's move on to the quote of the week. And this is by Carl Jung. Everything that irritates us about others can lead us to a better understanding about ourselves. All right, forging ahead onto my most favoriteest holiday, Samhain. So also known as Halloween. (laughs) So I wanted to look up the very rich and amazing history that is Samhain. And I have a couple of different sites here. So I went onto history.com forward slash topics forward slash holidays forward slash Samhain. Now, Samhain is spelled just like all the other Celtic Wheel of the Year um, Sabbaths, and it's kind of spelled a little different, and it looks like Samhain, S-A-M-H-A-I-N, but it's pronounced Samhain. So this this article off of history.com kind of gives us a really great overview of all of the history and even current um, practices of Samhain. So let's see what they have to say. Samhain is a pagan religious festival originating from an ancient Celtic spiritual tradition. In modern times, Samhain, a Gaelic word pronounced S-O-W-W-I-N or Samhain, is usually celebrated from October 31st to November 1st to welcome in the harvest and usher in the dark half of the year. Celebrants believe that the barriers between the physical world and the spiritual world break down during Samhain, allowing more interaction between humans and denizens of the other world. Ancient Samhain. Ancient Celts marked Samhain as the most significant of the four quarterly fire festivals, taking place at the midpoint between the fall equinox and the winter solstice. During this time of year, hearth fires and family homes were left to burn out while the harvest was gathered. After the harvest work was complete, celebrants joined with druid priests to light a community fire using a wheel that would cause friction and spark flames. The wheel was considered a representation of the sun and used along with prayers. Cattle were sacrificed and participants took a flame from the communal bonfire back to their home to relight the hearth. Early texts present Samhain as a mandatory celebration lasting three days and three nights, where the community was required to show themselves to local kings or chieftains. Failure to participate was believed to result in punishment from the gods, usually illness or death. 
There was also a military aspect to Samhain in Ireland, with holiday thrones prepared for com- commanders of soldiers. Anyone who committed a crime or used their weapons during the celebration faced a death sentence. Oof, they're not joking around. Some documents mentioned six days of drinking alcohol to excess, typically meat or beer, along with gluttonous feasts. <laughs> Jeez. Okay, Samhain Monsters. Because the Celts believed that the barrier between worlds was breachable during Samhain, they prepared offerings that were left outside villages and fields for fairies. Or, ooh, I actually looked up how to say this, and I practiced it a couple times, and I promptly forgot. It's S-I-D-H-E, and it's pronounced C-A-C-A-D-E. C-A-D-E. <laughs> it's another one of those words that you're just like, ooh, that's that's not pronounced any way that it's spelled. <laughs> CA day. Okay. It was expected that ancestors might cross over during this time as well, and Celts would dress as animals and monsters so that fairies were not tempted to kidnap them. Some specific monsters were associated with the mythology surrounding Samhain, including a shape-shifting creature called a, a puka that received harvest, harvest offerings from the field. The Lady Gwyn is a headless woman dressed in white who chases night wanderers and was accompanied by a black pig. The Dullahan sometimes appeared as an impish creatures, as impish creatures, sometimes headless men on horses who carried their heads, riding flame-eyed horses. Their appearance was a death omen to anyone who encountered them. Hence the tale of the headless horseman, right guys? Except for I think he carried a jack-o'-lantern, but that's fine. A group of hunters known as the Fairy Host might also hunt Samhain and kidnap people. Oh, haunt. Sorry. A group of hunters known as the Fairy Host might also haunt Samhain and kidnap people. Similar are the Suwag, who would come from the West to enter house houses and steal souls. My God. Let me see if I'm pronouncing this right. Suwag. I'm going to look really quick because... I'm, I'm always interested in how certain Celtic words are pronounced because they're so different. Let's see. What does it say? Besides, why are they making it so elusive? Slua. It's S-L-U-A-G-H. Oh, it's just Slua. Slua. Okay. Whatever. I guess I should have known that because most of the Gs, they don't pronounce anyway. So Slua. So similar other Slua who would come from the West to enter houses and steal souls. Myths of Samhain. One of the most popular Samhain stories told during the festival was of the Second Battle of Mog Tered, which portrays the final conflicts between the Celtic pantheon known as the Tuatha de Danann and evil oppressors known as the Fomor. The myths state that the battle unfolded over the period of Samhain. One of the most famous Samhain-related stories is the adventures of Nira, in which the hero Nira encounters a corpse and fairies and enters into the other world. Samhain figured that, oh, Samhain figured into the adventures of mythological Celtic hero Fion. Lorelai is going to need to look this one up also. Hold, please. Oh, Fion McCool. (laughs) McCool. (laughs) Okay, so Fion McCool. When he face the fire-breathing underworld dweller Aelin who or maybe it was Alan who would burn down the hall of Tara every Samhain. 
Samhain also figures into another Fionn McCool legend, where the hero is sent to the land beneath the wave. As well as taking place on Samhain, it features descriptions of the hero's holiday gatherings. Samhain in the Middle Ages. As the Middle Ages progressed, so did the celebrations of the fire festivals. Bonfires known as, oh my god, ah, I really need to like <laughs> do better about looking up some of these pronunciations. This one's bananas. <laughs> it is S-A-M-G-H-N-A-G-A-N-S. <laughs> I cannot. Hold on. I'm going to. Okay. It is. Oh, <laughs> for some reason, I, I looked at the wrong thing. It's trying to. Sam. It's, it's not giving me. It's not even. Okay. It's not even giving me. It's trying to correct how I'm spelling it. <laughs> it's not even showing me. I don't know what to tell you guys. I'm trying to like find out how to how to pronounce it and it won't it won't even do it. It just it just won't even do it. So S A M G H N A G A N S. Oh. Sonagens. God. If there are Irish people listening to this that know what that is. I am dreadfully sorry. <laughs> Butchering the crap out of this. Okay. Which were more personal sow and fires near the farms become became a tradition, purportedly to protect families from fairies and witches. Carved turnips called jack-o'-lanterns began to appear attached, uh, yeah, attached by strings to sticks and embedded with coal. Later, Irish tradition switched to pumpkins. In Wales, men tossed burning wood at each other in violent games and set off fireworks. In Northern England, men paraded with noisemakers. Dumb supper. That's right. I said dumb and supper. The tradition of dumb supper began during this time. Does anybody think of the Lord of the Rings when I said that? <laughs> and how the hobbits have like 18,000 meals a day. Dumb supper. That's kind of where I went with that. <laughs> I know if, at least for any whoever is laughing right now. Okay. Anyway, the tradition of dumb supper began during the time in which food was consumed by celebrants, but only after inviting ancestors to join in giving the families a chance to interact with the spirits until they left following dinner. Children would play games to entertain the dead, while adults would update the dead on the past year's news. That night, doors and windows might be left open for the dead to come in and eat cakes and then had been left, oh, that had been left for them. Christian Samhain. As Christianity gained a foothold in pagan communities, church leaders attempted to reframe Samhain as a Christian celebration. The first attempt was by Pope Boniface. Boniface? Sure. In the 5th century, he moved the celebration to May 13th and specified it as a day celebrating saints and martyrs. The fire festivals of October and November, however, did not end with this decree. In the 9th century, Pope Gregory moved the celebration back to the time of the fire festivals, but declared it All Saints Day on November 1st. All Souls Day would follow on November 2nd. Halloween. Neither new holiday did away with the pagan aspect of the celebration. October 31st became known as All Hallows' Eve, or Halloween, and contained much of the traditional pagan practices before being adopted in the 19th century America through Irish immigrants bringing their traditions across the ocean. Trick-or-treating is said to have been derived from ancient Irish and Scottish practices in the nights leading up to Samhain. In Ireland, 
Mumming was the practice of putting on costumes, going door to door, and singing songs to the dead. Cakes were given as payment. Halloween pranks also have a tradition in Samhain, though in the ancient celebrations, tricks were typically blamed on fairies. Wicca and Samhain. A broad revival of Samhain resembling its traditional pagan form began in the 1980s with the growing popularity of Wicca. Wicca celebration on Samhain takes on many forms, from the traditional fire ceremonies to celebrations that embrace many aspects of modern Halloween, as well as activities relating to honoring nature or ancestors. Wiccans look at Samhain as the passing of the year and incorporate common Wiccan traditions into the celebration. In the Druid tradition, Samhain celebrates the dead with a festival on October 31st and 31st. Wow, can't talk. October 31st and usually features a bonfire and communion with the dead. American pagans often hold music and dance celebrations called witches balls in proximity to Samhain. Celtic reconstructionists. Pagans who, or who embrace Celtic tradition with the intent of reintroducing them faithfully into modern paganism are called Celtic Reconstructionists. In this tradition, Samhain is called, oh, another one. Goodness gracious. Okay. Copy and paste and see what that means or how it's pronounced. Because, oh, I'm going to butcher the holy hell out of that. Okay. Oh, it's spelled O-I-C-H-E with an, like a accent over the I and S-H-A-M-H-N-A. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I said. What? How do you even, how does, I'm sure there's a couple Irish people yelling at, <laughs> yelling at their phone or their speaker right now going, it's not that hard. <laughs> okay. Um... Ihahauna. Ihahauna. See? Now you now you understand why I go, oh dear God. <laughs> Cause it's not it's not really spelled the way it's pronounced like like at all. So Ihahauna and celebrates the matings the mating between Tuatha de Danan gods Dagda and the river Unis. Celtic reconstructionists celebrate by placing juniper decorations around their homes and creating an altar for the dead where the where a feast is held in honor of deceased loved ones. Okay, so that is the article from history.com. So I wanted to also look up some of the Celtic connections with it too. So I went to wicca.com forward slash pagan holidays slash so I looked up some more things and they have a bunch of rituals, which if you want to look that up on this site, do so. But I think that'll just make for a really exceptionally, exceptionally long episode. So we'll just go over what they say with the helpful information. And it looks like maybe they would go over uh, some. So we'll do some symbols, symbolism, colors, herbs, traditional foods, incense and stones. And then they go into a myriad of rituals. So. This is the helpful information. So it's on October 31st. Other names for Samhain are November Eve, Feast of the Dead, Feast of Apples, Hallows Eve, All Hallows Eve. It's pronounced Samhain, Savin, or Samhain. Well, I think that might be the American version, but whatever. Possibly the biggest festival of the witches' year. Samhain is a time to remember those who have passed on, celebrate the summer's end, and prepare for winter's months ahead. 
the four winter months ahead. The sun god and earth fall into slumber as the night nights lengthen and winter begins. Samhain means end of summer and is the third and final harvest. The dark winter half of the year commences on this Sabbath. Various other names for this greater Sabbath are Third Harvest, Semana, Day of the Dead, Old Holomans, or the that's the Scottish Celtic version, Vigil of Salmon, which is S-A-M-A-N, Shadowfest, or Striga, and Sawin, S-A-M-H-U-I-N-N, also known as All Hallows' Eve. That day actually falls on November 7th. And Martimans, that is celebrated November 11th. Samhain is now generally considered the Witch's New Year. It is generally celebrated on October 31st, but some traditions prefer November 1st. It is one of the two spirit nights each year, the other being Beltane. It is a magical interval when the mundane laws of time and space are temporarily suspended and the thin veil between the world is lifted. The world's is lifted communicating with ancestors and departed loved ones is easy at this time for this for they journey through this world on their way to the summerlands it is a time to study the dark mysteries and honor the dark mother and the dark father symbolized by the crone and her aged consort tradition also teaches that the aids of spirits and guides from the other worlds was easily enlisted at this time so in the increasing moonlight of uh, the longer nights, many use this time to hone their psychic and divinations, di divinatory skills, especially with regard to love and marriage. Originally known as the Feast of the Dead, this Sabbath was celebrated in Celtic countries by leaving food offerings and on altars and doorsteps for the wandering dead. Today, a lot of practitioners still carry out that tradition. Single candles were lit and left in a window to help guide the spirits of ancestors and loved ones home. Extra chairs were set to the table and around the hearth for the unseen guest. Apples were buried along roadsides and paths for spirits who were lost or had no descendants to provide for them. Turnips were hollowed out and carved into to look like protective spirits, for this was a night of magic and chaos. The wee folk became very active, or fairies, right? It just says the wee folk, W-E-E-F-O-L-K-E, -E -E, became very active, pulling pranks on unsuspecting humans. Traveling after dark was not advised. People dressed in white, like ghosts, were disguises made of straw or dressed as the opposite gender in order to fool the nature spirits. The Christian religion has adopted this day as All Saints Day or All Hallows Day, celebrating the Eve as All Hallows Eve or Halloween. The superstition and misconception linked to the celebration by the early church led people to take some unusual precautions to protect themselves. They adopted the tradition of dressing in frightening costumes or disguises and displaying scary-looking jack-o'-lanterns to help protect them from spirits they considered to be evil. In the British Isles, the young people who disguise themselves with hideous masks and walk through the village lighting their way with lanterns made from carved turnips. This was also the time that the cattle and other livestock were slaughtered for eating in the ensuing winter months. Any crops still in the field on Samhain were considered taboo and left as offerings to the nature spirits. Bonfires were built, originally called bone fires, for after feasting, the bones were thrown into the fire as offerings for healthy and plentiful livestock in the new year, and stones were marked with people's names. Then they were thrown into the fire to be retrieved in the morning. The condition of the retrieved stones foretold of that person's fortune in the coming year. Hearth fires were also lit from the village bonfire to ensure unity, and the ashes were spread over the harvested fields to protect and bless the land. 
So some symbolism for Samhain is the third harvest, the dark mysteries, rebirth through death. The symbols are gourds, apples, black cats, jack-o'-lanterns, and besoms. Besoms. Hmm. Colors. Black, orange, white, silver, and gold. Herbs are herbs. Allspice, calendula, catnip, chrysanthemum, deadly nightshade, hazel, heliotrope, mandrake, mint, mug, wart, nutmeg, oak leaves, sage, straw, thistle, and wormwood. Traditional foods are ale, apples, beef, breads, cakes for the dead, cider, cranberry muffins, gourds, grains, mold wines, nuts, pork, poultry, pumpkin pie, and turnips. Incense is heliotrope, mint, nutmeg, and sage, and stones, aquamarine, jet, and obsidian. Let me see if they mention, I thought they mentioned bazoms down here. Let me take a quick peek. Making a bazom, a dowel, ball of twine, scissors, straw. Oh, I think maybe it might be, a, it almost looks like a, like a broom. Take the straw, the other herb stock that you can, you have chosen and soak overnight in lukewarm salted water. The water swells the stock slightly for bending without breakage and the salt dispels former energies. When ready, remove stock from the water and dry. I'm going to look up what a bizarre is really quick. <laughs> that was a lot of reading. And I'm sure some of you are falling asleep. Let me look and see what Ibisome is. It is a broom. It's totes a broom. <laughs> okay, good. I was like, it sounds like they're making a broom, but it's totally, it looks like, a, it looks like a broom. It looks like a, kind of like a witch's broom. And you can make one with like a longer stock or like a hand one, but they called a bazome. So there you have it. <laughs> You can make yourself a broom. So anyway, that pretty much covers all of Samhain and the crystal of the week, which is Dragon's Blood Jasper and our quote of the week. So I know that this isn't as long, but I have a lot of scary stories that I'm about to tell you guys. So I hope you guys enjoy and I hope you have a really, really beautiful and amazing holiday today. I know that I am. I'm really excited for the festivities for today. And have a very safe and wonderful weekend and enjoy every second of it. Maybe talk to your ancestors, let them know what's going on, let them know that you love them. And I hope that you all have a wonderful weekend. Anyway, love and light to you all. Enjoy every moment of Samhain, and I'll talk to you again next week.
Okay, so this is Lorelai's scary story. <laughs> so my scary story actually comes from when I was real young. And I remember I had bunk beds when I was younger and I shared the bunk bed with my younger sister. And I was on the top bunk, which I thought was pretty cool because, you know, I was the older sister, so I got the top bunk and it was pretty rad. And so what was right above me on the top bunk was my light, was the light, the ceiling light. And it was sort of reflective. So like if I looked up at the light, I could see stuff that was going on above my head. You know, usually my sister would pop up and I would see her and we would giggle and all that good stuff where, you know, I could see her passing by or whatever. Anyway, so I remember one evening I was laying in my bed doing, I don't know, whatever. And I looked up and I saw that there was like a person type figure just like standing right above my my head I'm by the bed and I, I I stood there staring at it and I looked above my head I didn't see anything there but when I looked back it was still there and it looked like a man with kind of like un, like a featureless type face it was really strange and I you know I it kind of creeped me out a little bit but I just stood there staring at it like okay but there's nobody there so what's going on like maybe I'm I just wasn't seeing things correctly or maybe it was a shadow but I just stood there staring at it and then he just kind of like disappeared like he just kind of ducked his head down and then he wasn't there anymore and I would see him intermittently throughout like gosh months I would just be you know I would lay down on my bed if the light was not on the ceiling light wasn't on but there was a light on the room I could see him in the reflection on the light and he would just kind of pop up <laughs> so one one day I was laying there and he popped up and he pulled up his hand and he was holding something in his hand and I wasn't entirely sure what it was but it looked like it could either be like a rope or some kind of a, a weapon of some kind because it was it looked like it had some kind of a reflected note to it so it was kind of shiny so the only thing I could think of was what was a knife and then that freaked me out <laughs> so, I remember talking to my older sister and she basically stayed in the room with me for a couple of nights and then I don't think he really, I don't, I don't really remember seeing him after that. And so that was, that is like my most scary story that I remember as a kid. This is Jen, and this is my scary story. So, um, a couple years ago, I went um, to a place called the Preston Castle, and it's a place you can tour um, of a sort of an old boys' prison home from hundreds of years ago. And they were all bad, and there was a murder there, and um, there's documented ghosts there all the time. So we had gone and done a tour. And 
um, I felt the energy change when we went into the castle. It was very clear that it um, was, was haunted to me. And as we were touring around, and there was a tour guide, um, I had capri pants on and I felt what I thought was a fly swiping across the bottom of my leg. And so I, as I was listening to them, her speak, I kind of brushed the, what I thought was a fly. And um, uh, this happened a few times. And then I felt fingers swipe across the lower part of my leg. And um, as we were going through the castle and you felt like these dark space, these cold, eerie spaces and um, in one of the rooms um, where she was speaking, I sort of wandered into a closet. And when I went into that closet, there was nothing in it, but I, uh, I felt like there was an elephant sitting on my chest. I start, started like hyperventilating and I'm like, I've got to get out of here. I've got to get out of here. And um, come to find out later that there was the murder was done in that closet. <laughs> so anyway, we finished the tour. Um, I saw um, orbs. I have pictures of the orbs on my boyfriend's back. Um, and we, we were showing the pictures to the the guide, and of course she knew exactly what they were, and she was telling us the different colors mean different spirits and all these different things. So that was sort of the end of that tour. I didn't really think much of it. And uh, gosh, probably six to eight months later, we went to do uh, the reading with um, uh, Michael. And um, I was very excited because I had a lot of people pass that previous year, a lot of people pass that previous year. So I was excited to meet them or hear from them. and. He went around and did everyone's reading and he came to me and he started yelling and screaming that there was a very, very bad, dark spirit attached to me. And um, he's yelling at it and just bypassing me, not even talking to me. He's looking over my shoulder and yelling at this spirit that it's attached itself to me. And um, obviously that uh, scared me quite a bit. Um, and he wasn't able to do any reading because that guy was blocking everybody from coming. So I wasn't able to to get um, to get to, to communicate with my family. So he told me some things to do um, with sage and different things, which we tried. And then I looked up other other things to see how to detach this. Um, Thing for me, if people around me were saying um, my personality had changed during that time, that I became more short and angry and I was just in a bad mood all the time and that kind of stuff. Well, a friend of mine I talked to who's very, very religious was telling me different things to do. Crank church music was one of them. And every time I turned church music on, I couldn't stand it. I couldn't stand it. It's like having bugs crawling all over my skin. I could not handle it. So um, I still left it on, but it, it was very, very uncomfortable to listen to, which is, is odd, obviously. And so I did that. I still felt like nothing had happened. Um, so I was trying. I had um, uh, 
a St. Michael quarter. I had, I got a necklace. I got all these different things to bless my house and all these different things. So nothing was, you know, nothing had been changing. My, my religious friend again said, start doing these chants and start saying in the name of Jesus Christ, you know, all these different things. So, um, one day I, uh, was driving up to Sacramento on the river roads and um, all of this buzzing was going on in my head. And uh, so almost like static, if you were here on the radio and you were on a channel, that static sound was in overtaking my brain and it was just the oddest feeling. And it was getting louder and louder and louder in my head. And I felt, I didn't hear the words, but I felt like drive into the river. And, um, I mean, this is la I'm laughing now, but I was scared out of my mind at the time because I'm driving and literally there's no railing. I can literally drive straight into the water if I wanted to. And I just kept hearing it drive into my, like, not hearing it, but feeling it drive into the water, drive into the water. And my head's buzzing, 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 drive into the water. And I'm like, what the heck? And so I started chanting. I'm in the car by myself and I'm just yelling and chanting and all of a sudden, this vibration got really, really intense. I felt it ball up my body into my head, and then I felt it completely release itself for me. And that is my Halloween story. <laughs> <laughs>
And like I said before, it didn't feel um, negative or bad. It felt childlike and inquisitive, almost like a, not like a kid, but like maybe like a, like a teenager, like somebody that has boundary issues. Like they, they want, they're curious, but wanting to, you know, they have boundary issues. They want to be all up in, in your business. So I just took a deep breath and I told it that it needed to go away and then it, it needed to go into the light and it wasn't welcome here anymore. It had no business being here. And I called on Archangel Michael and asked for protection. And I, he slowly kind of backed away from me and faded into the background. But the story kind of continues because my son had been having a lot of trouble sleeping um, and like right around that time. And it, after that happened to me, it kind of dawned on me to ask him if he had been having any type of uh, experience. Because, I mean, as you know, or you know, maybe your viewers don't or listeners don't know, but kids are very intuitive. I mean, they're so close to source because, you know, they, they're new to this earth at this time. Um, and so they, it's, you know, it's pretty... Um, common for kids to have experiences like that. So I asked my son if he had ever seen anybody in his room, if he'd ever seen, had ever seen a kid or had anybody ever asked him to play or anything like that. You know, I just, I asked a bunch of questions like along those lines to try to get information out of him. Granted, he's only three. And so I really had to kind of like, get try to get information out of him and he kept saying no 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 um and I asked him if he'd ever heard any anybody try to talk to him and then he looked at me and he said no mommy but I can hear him laughing (laughs) happy sound everybody Hi, this is Frenny Whoever, and I have some scary stories for your Halloween. So when I was little, I used to have kind of weird, spooky things happen to me all the time. I used to see and feel and hear things, but none that really stick out in my memory, specifically until I got to um, my teenage years. Um, And that's when I started really studying um, metaphysical stuff. And uh, the first one happened when I was in uh, 10th grade, uh, and I had this really vivid dream. And I don't normally remember my dreams, um, but this one was really vivid and really clear. And it was about a friend of mine who um, was just this guy that I used to hang out with. Um, But in the dream, he was attacked really, really brutally. And I woke up in a really cold sweat and I was really afraid and I wanted to help him and I didn't know if he'd believe me even. Um, and so I went downstairs to my dad's woodworking shop and I stole a little uh, round piece of wood and I, I brought it upstairs and I sat really still and I thought of like something that I could write on it, some symbol that I could write on it. And I ended up putting... Um, 
a pentacle on it and um, writing uh, some some affirmation words, stay safe, things like that. Um, and I, I remember holding it to my heart and thinking really positive, loving vibes into it. And I brought it to school the next day and I told him about my dream and I said, I made this for you. And I know it's probably crazy and, you know, you probably think I'm a total weirdo, but if you would just keep this with you, um, uh, it would it would make me really happy, and he just kind of smiled and gave me a hug, and he was like, "Oh, you're so sweet," and um, he put it in his pocket. Well, the next day he came to school, and he pulled me aside, and he was really like, I could tell that something was wrong, and he pulled me aside and he said, "You won't believe what happened last night." <laughs> like what? And he said, "Well, you know, I was hanging out with my buddies and." Um, We were hanging out over uh, by the coffee shop that we all used to hang out at. He said, I just got this weird feeling, and I put my hand in my pocket, and I I found your little wood thing that you made me, and I just, something inside me told me I needed to go home. And I'm like, okay. He said, and later that night, my friends called me and told me that um, a gang of skinheads came to the coffee shop looking for him. And I didn't ask him why. I didn't ask him why skinheads were looking for him. But the look on his face told me that he knew that it was true. And I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so that was the that was the first time that I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Then later on in my high school career, um, I started to have interactions with um a spirit of some kind and she didn't felt like a woman and she didn't feel scary to me. Um, she felt very loving. Um, but I would wake up, uh, or sometimes I would just be awake. I would come home from being out with my friends or I would just be awake in the middle of the night. Or sometimes I would wake up from sleep and I would just be awake and I would feel a presence sit next to me on the bed and stroke my hair and stroke my back um, and she told me call me mother which you know I didn't really understand because my mother was still alive but like okay call you mother and you know I just carried on like that I never said anything to anybody because I didn't really think anybody would believe me anyway Um, so just a little bit out of high school, I was having a conversation with my father, um, and he was talking about his mom, who none of us had ever met. She died when he was a young boy, um, and she had had um, a very tortured life, Um, and he never told us anything about her when we were younger, Um, and as he started to talk about her, I, I understood why, because she had been such a tortured soul. Uh, and I clued in to the fact that he called her mother. Not mom, not my mom. He called her mother. And a light bulb went off in my head. And I realized that this being that I had been interacting with all of this time was my grandmother. <laughs> so she, that was pretty cool. <laughs> And in my adult life, there's been um, a couple of times that have actually been more on the spooky, scary side. Um, When I was very pregnant with my daughter, 
um, I had a very scary <laughs> incident happen. Um, ever since I was pregnant with that child, uh, my my eldest child, my daughter, uh, it just felt different. It felt like this little person that was growing inside me was different. Um, so one evening, I was taking a shower, and in that particular house, I'm not sure why the builders built it this way, but there was a window inside the shower, like a window to the outside of the house, inside the shower. Um, and, you know, you could close it, and it was that kind of glass that, like, was textured glass, so you couldn't really see the person inside. You could see that there was a person there, but you couldn't, like, see you couldn't see any part of my body really clearly anyways so I was taking a shower and um I was washing my hair and um I had just rinsed it out and I looked over at the window and there was a hand pressed up against the window as if someone was outside looking in the window with their hand and I screamed (laughs) and then I thought it it must be somebody playing a prank on me because my husband was there with a friend of his. And so I threw a towel on and I really angrily stormed out and both men were sitting in the living room. And uh, I mean, the, the hand, I watched the hand stay there the entire time I put my towel on there. It hadn't gone anywhere. They certainly wouldn't have had any time to come into the house. And I went out and my husband was you know, concerned because I had screamed and I said, there's someone in the backyard. They were looking through the window and he and his friend ran outside and there was nobody there. They definitely would not have had time to flee the backyard. (laughs) There was absolutely nobody there. No one, the gate to the backyard was closed. No one, there was no possibility that someone would have slipped by without being seen. So that was a very scary thing. (laughs) Um, And then that same daughter, uh, later on as she got a little bit older, she's had a few incidences of hearing voices that we aren't able to explain. She has told us multiple times that she's heard people talking to her when there's nobody around, that she hears people speaking through the vents, whispering to her. And one evening, it got particularly bad, and I got really fed up, and I said, okay, I'm going to clear out this house. Whatever is around her is going to leave, and I broke out my sage, and I saged the whole place, and I invoked presence of um, archangels, and I called in whatever guides for her I could, and just barricaded her up with all of the protective crystals that I could. Well, the next morning I came out and there was a very large picture frame, a big, heavy picture frame that was really well nailed into the wall, had been somehow removed from the wall and flown across the room onto the floor and broken, not slidden down the wall. No, it was removed and fell many, many feet away from the wall. We're still unable to explain that one properly. So, happy Halloween, everyone. I hope that you got a good chill from that.
Godfather Michael. I'll relay a story that happened to me two years ago at the Ainsley House Mansion, just prior to a group read that was about to take place. I was setting up the mansion house for this. It was at night, approximately 7:30. I had grabbed the keys to the house and was approaching the back French glass doors of the house. As I put the key in the lock, I could see through the glass doors into the main hallway and the approach area to the front door of the house with the staircase. As I unlocked the door, I saw what I believed to be Mrs. Ainsley, who's been dead now for a hundred years. I saw her apparition come from the left, which is the dining area of the house, and float across the foyer area beneath the staircase and into the main living room of the house. She was dressed. The apparition was all white, but I could see that she was dressed in a Southern Belle type dress that was very large and flowing, and she had a veil over her head. And as I saw her walk across, I should say, float across the foyer area, my mind kind of stopped for a minute. Am I actually seeing what I'm seeing? Because I did not see this with my third eye vision. I saw this with my actual physical two-eye vision, which astonished me because in all the years I've been doing this work, I have never seen anything like this happen to me. I was startled for a moment, just for a moment. I was scared, but then I came down to reality of the fantastic thing I had just seen. And as a side note. The reason why I believe this happened is because usually any any event I do at the house prior to it, I usually let the Ainsleys know that I am coming and that I am going to have an event there, so they are prepared. And it was just this one time that I did not do that that I must have startled them and broke up a party or an event that they were doing, and I felt bad about it. But that's my story. This happened,、uh, I believe, it was two years ago, and for me, it was an epiphany to see something like this. Thank you very much, Lorelai, my godchild, for letting me speak on your podcast. Have a happy Halloween. So once upon a time, I was a child. <laughs>、um, no, but for real, once upon a time, I was、uh, younger and probably like five or six. And my mom explains it to me. I don't really remember, but my mom would walk into my room, and I would be like sitting straight up in bed, having a clear conversation with somebody that she couldn't see, and she would tell me. Like oh, you have a friend that comes from the vent. What? What? 
Yeah, you said that her name is Stacy and that she came from the vent and you guys would just have like conversations and she wore a white dress and she would just come and talk to you and make you feel better after everything happened. So <laughs> that's it. Isn't that trippy? Hi, my name is Lorena Diaz Esquivel Valencia Solorio Prado Rivera, <laughs> and I work with Laura. Yeah, very good. Okay, so um, I was telling Laura back in April, um, this was when COVID was really in full effect when it just barely came out. Um, as a nurse, you know, we were all really anxious and stuff. And then um, I heard that day, well, I seen it on Facebook that there was like a church that was doing a prayer outside. Mm -hmm. And then I looked online on Facebook and there was a lot of people outside with their hands up and praying. And I thought, oh my God, that's so beautiful. But I didn't get to see it, like actually see it and go out to the window. Cause I was having a really bad day that day. So um, usually we all leave around 11.30 at night, we all walked together, but that day I just couldn't leave early. Mm. And um, I went to go get dressed, and I probably started walking out around 11.45 from the dressing room. Behind the dressing room is their recovery room after a C-section. Uh-huh. And as I'm walking out, I just noticed like, you know how your peripheral vision, um, I noticed a shadow. Oh, yeah. And I turned, and there was this lady standing there, like, grabbing the, the ivy pole, and she was dressed in white with a white hat, a white, like, dress, and, like, her hair was, like, in a bob cut. Oh, my God. And, and I was just, like, looking at her, and I was just, like, kind of looked the other way because it freaked me out. But then again, I thought, why am I scared? This is probably an angel with all the prayers and stuff yeah. we received that day. Yeah. Yeah, so that was my experience here. Um, in a way, I felt like it was kind of a blessing. Yeah. Just telling us that we were okay because I think during April, we were all like freaking out about the COVID, about everything that was going on. Not having PPE. <laughs> yeah, not having PPE. Just scary because we didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty much my story. Wow, that's a good one, Lorena. Thank you. Thanks for sharing. Do you have any other ones? Mm, I have a lot of them, but yeah. um, doesn't have to be super long. But they can be long too. I, I just want to. You have so many, and I just want to hear them all. <laughs> well, you know, I've always been kind of like very intuitive to things that I feel, mm -hmm. my dreams as well. Oh yeah. And you know, my grandma passed away. Um, about a year ago. Oh, grandma. Yeah. Oh. I was pretty close to her. And um, I was always thinking, like, why doesn't she come to me? Like, she's, you know, my sisters, my mom, they've all had dreams about her. And um, recently, like maybe three weeks ago, she finally came to me. Oh. And I remember crying. And I was telling her how much I loved her. Oh, Lorena. Yeah. But um, I wanted to hug her. And she wanted to hug me, but she was like 
All I could see is this beautiful white door where she was standing. Behind that white door, there was other people there. And I went up to the white door and I was able to hug her, but it was a different, kind of a spiritual hug. Yeah. But I felt it. Oh, And she yeah. told me she was okay. Oh. And she asked me to pray for her, to keep praying. And um, it was just a beautiful dream. Yeah. yeah. And then um, someone posted on Facebook, because I go on Facebook a lot, mm -hmm. the next day about someone who had a similar dream. Okay. And she had a picture of that same door that I seen in my dream. What? The and people behind that door. It was wow. like a, it's like a white door with um, like, feathers. I don't know. It's like white light and, and light. Oh yes. My gosh. It was beautiful and it felt so real, and it just made me feel at peace because I've always wanted to go see her before she passed and stuff like that. And I've always felt bad because I never got to say like goodbye to her or anything. But um, I'm just glad she's okay. Oh yeah. And I feel more at peace. I feel closure. So. Yeah. Oh, Lorena, thank you for sharing. Yeah, I have one more. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so, I have this friend. Her name is, let's just say M. Okay. okay. And um, I had a dream about her, like, it was two weeks ago, I believe. And I had a dream that she had COVID. Oh, no. And I had a dream that she was up on her fourth floor and she was being intubated. And I was, it was just so real. And I was watching her get intubated and I had tears because she visited my childhood friend. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh my God, I can't believe this happened to Em. Oh my God, you know? So I was just crying and crying and crying. The next day I woke up and I called her and I said, are you okay? And she's like, yeah, why? We haven't talked for weeks. I'm like, oh, I just had this weird dream and I told her about it. She goes, well, let's hope not, you know? Two days later, she calls me and says her husband has COVID and her son has COVID and she was being checked for COVID. Oh my gosh. Yes. So she's like, oh my God. I'm like, yeah, this is, it's just weird. I always have these weird dreams like that, that are just so real and they just seem to become kind of real. Yeah. So that's the only other one I remember right now. Wow. But, yeah. Those are amazing, Lorena. Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. You're welcome. Anytime. <laughs> if I have more, I'll let you know. Oh, yes. <laughs> All the Halloween stories. <laughs> okay, so this is my friend Kim. And she's going to tell us about... She's got a couple of st stories, right? Just a few. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a few. Maybe a few. Let's see. Okay. I'm going to tell about a real quick time that it is, I'm a nurse and I work evening shift. And I was getting off work this one particular evening from my um, hospital in Oakland. And I was driving, me and another co-worker was driving on the freeway. And we could see from the rearview mirror, a car was like speeding up behind us. And our first thought was, wow, I guess, he I guess he's got to pee. <laughs> so... But what little did Barbie know is he drove up to the side of us, rolled down his window, 
pointed out his arm and there was a gun and shot at our car. Oh my God. We stopped in the middle of the freeway as he sped off and we're looking at each other like, are you shot? No, neither one of us was shot. We get home and there's bullet holes riveting the driver's side door, oh. but we were not touched. Wow. And I say God took care of us. Absolutely. And my then, goodness. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's very scary. There's one other thing that happened to me. I was 18, can't swim, and I was playing around in the pool at a family reunion with a cousin. And I told him as I was riding his back, don't go near the deep water because I can't swim. So what does he do? He goes near the deep water. Some kind of way I slid off his back accidentally as I slid to the bottom of the pool. <gasps> and there's no one around. Oh, God. Um, and so I remember at that point, when people say that you're like, your life flashes before your eyes. It did in that split second. I swear I saw everything I did in life. Oh my God. It was the weirdest thing. And I'm in my head, I'm going, oh my God, I'm gonna die. <laughs> Cause I'm, I'm literally, I can feel, I'm swallowing water. It's going down and I'm no, I'm on my way out. Oh my but God. I felt, and I always say this, I felt the hand of God because there was nobody else around me. Push me from the bottom of the pool, push me up where I could walk. And I was able to stand up and catch my breath. Wow. And that wasn't your cousin? No, that came there was no one you. around me. He walked out of the pool, didn't even realize that I was drowning. Oh my yeah. god. There was nobody else in the pool. Isn't it crazy? But yes, so those are some of the things I've experienced in my life. Wow, Kim. Mm -hmm. Thanks for sharing. That Absolutely. is freaking bananas. Okay, Robin. Okay. Robin, your story. Okay, Let's so hear about my it. My story, I was working, it was a time in my life where I was working 60-hour work weeks. I was so tired and I, I was working three, I was working 12-hour shifts. So this particular day I worked a 12-hour shift, I was exhausted. It was midnight, you know, probably 12, 1 o'clock in the morning I was driving home. It's not a lot of cars on the road, but I was so tired. I was falling asleep at the road, at the wheel. Ooh. And I opened the window and I had my music blaring. I was trying so hard to stay awake. And I had my hands on the steering wheels like, you know, two and 10, right? <laughs> two and 10. <laughs> like, hanging on, squeezing onto the steering wheel. And I was coming up to an intersection and um, I dozed off. Oh no. And I didn't really, obviously, I didn't realize I dozed off, but all of a sudden I felt like two hands on top of my hands like and that's what woke me up and I jumped up and I was like my heart was racing my adrenaline was rushing I was like oh my god like I felt like somebody put their hands on top of mine and that's what woke me up and I looked up and there was a red light right in front of me and if I didn't wake up at that moment I would have just gone straight into this intersection and there were cars coming in not a lot because it was in the middle of the night but there was cars going through the intersection in the opposite direction wow so i think there was angels with me that night and mm -hmm. stopped me from crashing big time yes this is my friend alex alex is going to tell a story a double. it's in the same theme uh -huh. as as robin at work to double, it's midnight, I'm driving home, and that was indeed when I was still working at county, so it was a long drive home. I fell asleep in front of a traffic light. Oh. And uh, I had my foot on the brake, nothing happened, and you know what woke me up? The guy behind me honked his horn because it had turned green. Oh. <laughs> there was no angels there that night. No. <laughs> 
<laughs> so that was actually a funny story. <laughs> okay, so I'll tell you about my mom's scary story because she's 74 and she's she's kind of a little bit of a Luddite, so technology is not her bag, right? So okay. I'm going to tell it for her because she, she told me this. I never forgot it. So one night, um, my mom worked at a, as a nurse overnight, and so she worked the night shift. And she had recently... Um, so my younger sister is a type 1 diabetic and she was she had been recently diagnosed about five or so years before that and so you know we had been we have to like constantly be taking her blood sugars giving her sugar and insulin and all that sort of stuff so it was it was the middle of the night and she was sleeping and then all of a sudden she hears mom mom wake up and she bolts up and immediately in her head she's like go check Heather's blood sugar and so then she go, she goes into my little sister's room and she checks her blood sugar and it's really, really low. Like in like the 40s or 50s. Whoa. Yeah. So it was like, <clears throat> whoa. That's crazy. And she gave her? She gave her some sugar. sugar. So she could, yep. So she could go so back up. So who woke up your mom? We don't she know. She just dreamt. She just, she, yeah, some, something was watching it over wasn't her. was her sister saying mom, mom, mom. Nope. Whoa. I know. <laughs> crazy. <clears throat> Thanks for having it, Alex. <laughs> One night, I was, Laura and I were working here at the hospital, and we were walking out of the hospital together, and we were walking toward the exit door. And I looked up and I saw my reflection and I saw Laura's reflection and right behind us I saw like a creepy looking lady. You didn't. I did and I turned around like this and I said, oh my God, I just saw somebody behind me. And you said, oh, that gave me chills. And we went running out of the hospital to our cars. Oh my God, why didn't you ever tell me about that story? At the time I told you, I just remembered it. At the time I said, oh my God, Laura, there's somebody behind us. And you went, what? Oh my god. And it gave you chills. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. She was, Why didn't I think about that one she before? She was a creepy looking lady. I don't know. I just kind of forget about these things. Do you things. remember what she looked like? She had, um, she was light skinned. Her hair was like all wild hair. Red. Oh. No, it wasn't red. <laughs> Dark hair. It was dark hair. And it had like a creepy grin on her face. Ew! She was showing her teeth. Oh, uh, like, that's, that's weird. Oh, God. <laughs> well, thanks for sharing that one, You're Robin. Welcome. Oh, God, that's scary. <laughs> I'm Sandy, and this is my scary story. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to pull the button. My husband and I were sleeping on the couch one night. Um, and the whole house was still. There was no one else in the in the house. And we woke up to a slamming book on the ground that had fallen off the bookshelf. And when we looked, the bookshelf, all the books were lined up completely in order. Nothing was hanging off the shelf. And it was almost like someone had dropped the book um, from a standing position. And it freaked my dog at the time. My dog was sleeping right next to us. And it freaked us out. 
and we just could not sleep anymore after that. <laughs> and there was nothing around you? There was nothing. No earthquakes? No, nothing. Nobody was with you in the house that decided well, to I drop guess the book? There could have been, but <laughs> no oh. one of a human form. Ooh! Yeah. <laughs> so I never slept in that room again. <laughs> That's a good scary story, Sandy. Thank that you. That was my scary story. <laughs>